Hello, welcome to the Mag Life Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Shaw, and I've got Yehuda Reamer here with me. You may know him as the Pew Pew Jew. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Man, I'm doing awesome. Just showed uh, him around the Gun Mag Warehouse. Warehouse. I don't know if that's the right way to say that. Um, showing the whole operation here, but we're not talking about that. Everybody knows about what we do here at Gun Mag Warehouse. There may be some new people out there that, that don't have a clue who you are and what it means to be a pew-pew Jew. <laughs> so uh, uh, writer, trainer, um, Instagrammer. Like, I don't know, what do you, what do, you do? You do all uh, kind of stuff. Yeah, um, so I'm mainly a Second Amendment advocate and an author. I write children's books on firearm safety, firearms education, history of the Second Amendment for kids, um, the ABCs of guns book for children, even a 105 explosive gun jokes uh, joke book for dads. Give me an example. You got got an example? Oh, God. Um, My favorite joke in the book is why didn't the college grad tell her parents how she paid for school? She was field stripping for money. Yeah, exactly. It, and that's the point of the book. It, it's supposed You want to sell this book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's <laughs> the book the book is meant to be the ultimate corny dad. No, I love that joke. joke. Book. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but that that's what it's supposed to be, right? It, it's not I, I'm not I'm not a laugh out loud comedian. This book is literally supposed to be a book that will piss your kids off and piss your wife off more with the amount of corniness that will come out so of it. So I I don't I you know, all my life when I was a kid, the um and I've only recently told my wife and, and a close friend this. When I was a kid, my teachers, my mom, my dad, my uncles, my, my grandparents, my granny, whatever, they would they would say this thing to me after I would say something or do something. They would say, you think you're funny, don't you? <laughs> They're like, oh, you, Daniel, you think you're funny, don't you? And I would be like, no, ma'am. Those are, and you know what? It occurred to me like a couple of months ago that I, I was being funny and I said funny stuff, like consistently funny, making people laugh around me without trying to make them laugh around me. I was like, you know what? I am funny. I finally accepted, like, you know what? If they ask me again, you think you're funny, don't you? I'm like, you know what? Yes, I do. For once in my, it took me 41 years, but I do now think I'm funny. And, you know, I, I but I gauge sometimes my, my comedy on uh, with my wife is like, how big of an eye roll can I get from my <laughs> corny joke or pun so uh, no I, I love those things uh, but you have you have multiple books I've got them right here um, for those that are watching on YouTube you can see them uh, we got the 105 explosive gun books the ABCs of gun safety so what age groups when you these are for children what, what age groups are you going after is this like parents reading to small children or you know a little uh Seven, eight? Yeah, so my age group really is five to ten. Okay. Um, what, the reason why I say that is the books are easy enough for a five- or a six-year-old child who's just learning to read that they can read it themselves. But at the same time, if you're like 10 years old, it's not baby enough to the point where you're sitting there and like, this is way too – not. this is for a little kid. No, it's it's – and it has enough attention-grabbing information in it that a 10-year-old would say, like, okay, you know, I can actually read this book as well. Okay. what Now, people are going to ask, is there, like, a heavy Jewish leaning or uh, with somebody who's not really religious, would they still enjoy this book? Yeah. So um, I talk about this actually a lot because I know there's a lot of people within the Second Amendment industry, the gun industry, who fr- put their, their identity first before the Second Amendment. Now, I understand I have a whole brand called the Pew Pew Jew. However, 
First and foremost, I'm a Second Amendment advocate who happens to be Jewish. I'm not a Jewish Second Amendment advocate, if that makes sense. Yeah. So my books actually have nothing to do with Judaism whatsoever. They are books about guns. They're books about the Second Amendment, firearms education, firearms history. And to me, the fact that I'm Jewish really is just a side note to the actual advocacy that I'm trying to promote. Awesome. So what got you started doing this? You know, or you know, let's back up even further. Were you always a gun owner, a pro Second Amendment guy? So, okay, so this is actually one of my favorite parts to my my entire saga. Um, I've always been interested in firearms, just because growing up, I, I've always been enamored with action movies. Right? You know, I want to I want to Walter PPK for no other reason than I grew up watching oh, me too. all the old school James Bonds, and it's it's legendary, right? That, I mean, that's um, I've the also first handgun I ever bought was a Walter. PPK and 6.5. Okay. Yeah. So, so exactly. Right. Um, so I've always been interested in firearms, but I grew up in Los Angeles. Um, I was a photographer, an Orthodox Jewish photographer living in LA. So by default, you know, I should be as left leaning as they come. But one day I was actually listening to the local FM DJs in LA uh, and Kevin and Bean. That was the name of the show. And they were talking about something that I, I don't even want to discuss because it was so inappropriate. And I kind of felt the brain cells, right, like just exploding one by one in my head. And I'm like, no, I, I can't do this anymore. And I turned on AM radio and kind of for the next like six months to a year, just listening to different, you know, Rush yeah. and, and Bill O'Reilly and Glenn Beck and all these people. And I'm kind of like nodding to myself. I'm like, well, that makes sense. Well, yeah, that's just common sense. Why wouldn't people do that way? And then I realized like, wow, I always thought Jews were Democrats, right? I said, not only am I not a Democrat, I don't even think I'm really a Republican. I'm like a 3% Tea Party gun-toting, you know, right-winger. Um, and from there, you know, my buddy called me one day and he's like, Hey, let's go to the gun range. I'm like, Oh, okay. Let's why not? And it was like right out of a movie. He, he takes out this case and like unrolls it. Yeah. And it's like, like rifle, rifle, shotgun, shotgun, knife, handgun, rifle. Like, I'm like, who are you? And it was at that point when it kind of hit me that the second amendment and, and I was a spoiled LA boy. I'm not going to deny that, right? I didn't care about the Constitution. I didn't follow politics or what was going on in the country. I really just it didn't even remotely interest me. That's a, that's a unique perspective coming from that to this. Right. And and what happened was is then my buddy took me shooting and, and it hit me. It's like, wow, I thought guns were only for military, law enforcement, and bad guys. The only three people that had guns. I didn't realize that civilians were allowed to own firearms for self-defensive reasons, as well as what the Second Amendment actually is for, right? Tyran uh, tyrannical government. And and it hit me. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So I bought my first gun. It was a Glock 19 Gen 3. And I didn't tell my parents. Even though I was married, I had two kids, I was out of the house. I didn't tell my parents because I didn't need their Jewish guilt hanging over me. And one day, my younger brother, we were by my parents' house. My younger brother's like, hey, uh, man, let's go shooting. I want to shoot your Glock. And my parents had like a full-on Chernobyl nuclear meltdown. We're talking about like full-on. Um, I was irresponsible. How can I bring a firearm into the home with kids in my house? And they were just berating me. 
to no end and they wouldn't talk to me and they were so upset with me. And that kind of hit me like, okay, well, I understand. I don't understand why they're upset, but it did prompt me to say like, hey, I need to educate my kids. Educate them. And what happened was I went to the NRA's website and they had the Eddie Eagle program, which is great. But while going through it, I'm like, yeah, but this can't be the only thing about gun yeah, safety. What to do if you find a gun somewhere it's not supposed to be? You know, a little bit more to it. A lot more it's to great. it. Right. Yeah. They, they, no, One not, of the few not, things from the NRA that I'm like, heck, that's awesome. Absolutely. But but it doesn't go remotely far enough. Um, so I went to the Next Plus Pace for education. I went to Amazon and I wanted, I was going to go buy a book. Excuse me. I was going to go buy a book that I could read to my children on gun safety. And I'm looking, I'm looking, and there is nothing, nothing on Amazon specifically for children. There are books out there for parents to talk about gun safety, but there's nothing for children. I'd always been interested in creative writing. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pull out my iPhone 5, I think it was, and on my notepad, I'm going to write a children's book. took me about 20 minutes to write the book, and I sent it to a buddy of mine in the LAPD. And he tore it to shreds, constructive criticism, taught me the right lingo, taught me, you know, the differences between the calibers and and different gun companies and and all of everything you needed to know. And over the next like six months, he helped me hammer out what ended up being my first book, Safety On. That's interesting. Now, one of the most interesting things out of that whole story to me is where you came from. As far as you said, a spoiled L.A. kid, you know, so I, I was just out in Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago and I hate L.A. Like I, I hate the traffic. Uh, I love California's weather. I like we were playing on some big adventure bikes out in the desert and it was awesome. But then when you got to go to the city for something to get on an airplane or something, I, I'm just I'm not a fan of L.A. The attitude to everything else. Um, do you think that you're better suited or your philosophy for lack of a better term, spreading the gun gospel, the Second Amendment, uh, because you came from there and maybe you know what reaches them better and what turns them off immediately. Do you think your 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 philosophy for that has is, is been is more well rounded than maybe somebody else out there who doesn't have the background you have? I mean, yes and no. I I, I would but I would kind of push more no. Just with social media the way it is, I mean, you see the type of people who are trying to grab our guns and trying to take away our freedoms and, um, you know, trying to destroy the Second Amendment, the bullshit, if you will. Uh, you see that across social media, you know, Shannon Watts and Well, those Bloomberg. are the people. We're not going to change their minds. Well, no, I understand, yeah. but I'm saying all their, all their, to use a lack of a better term, cronies, right? All, yeah. all the people under them. I mean, it's not like, it, you either believe in the right to self-defense or you don't. I don't think there's a middle ground, right? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big believer that there, all gun laws are infringements. So you can sit down with someone who might say, oh, you know, I'm, I believe in the Second Amendment, but, I mean, the minute they say that, yeah, sure. uh, right? So, so like, I, I always joke, right, that so anyone who says, I believe in the Second Amendment, but, the only thing in a but is an a-hole. Right. Like, yeah, that, that's literally what these people are. It's like you don't believe in the Second you Amendment. If you if you don't believe wholeheartedly in what the Second Amendment is and you believe that, you know, 
there should be restrictions on it, then you're not a Second Amendment advocate or a supporter of it. Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna fix the um, the people who, who run these these organizations and everything else. Like they're not gonna come to like. I think a lot of them know better. They're, they're in these stats. They're in these this data. They're seeing it and everything else. It's become a money making industry for them. Yeah, like they, they've. They're making tons of money off of it. They're getting tons of donors. They're paying themselves healthy salaries uh, to do this thing. It's an it's just it's an industry. If, if it's clear to see if somebody actually cares about you know saving human life, they would not even be in the the anti gun industry. Like it doesn't it wouldn't they, they would go somewhere else. They would like try to stop people from drowning in pools or falling out of shopping carts. Something that actually kills more people than firearms. Right. But the the thing that 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 gets me here though is on the internet. I'm not going to change Shannon Watts' mind. I'm not going to change like her henchman's mind. But the 300 people who are watching my conversation with them or watching how I'm talking about a thing, I do have potential to change their minds. And right. I've, I know a lot of people that, that I have had a direct hand in, in changing their minds and converting them. Some of them through this podcast, some of them through, through uh, taking them out to the range. And they're just like, I had no idea. And I didn't. And it, it's, it's a lack of education. They just don't know. And that's that's all it is. So... We, if we can let them know politely that there is more to it than the one side that they've heard, and if they will look at that um, with an open mind and actually really analyze and critique what they're what they're saying and what they're seeing, a, a reasonable person is going to come to the conclusion that the Second Amendment is an absolutely amazing thing, right? But we have to gently spread it. That's something I've said before on this podcast. Uh, I grew up a Southern Baptist, man. I never missed a church service, right? Um, and you would have these preachers come into town for camp meeting or revival or whatever we're doing, and I they would always say something like, uh, "Just always they would have to have these funny like Baptist preacher sayings." And uh, but one of them said something that was uh, that wasn't a funny saying. It stuck with me. He said, "You got to gently spread the gospel because you like go and somebody tell you you're going to hell if you do that. Like ain't nobody gonna listen to you. Not gonna happen. And if you go in there like we do, come and take it. You know, um, immediately the conversation because it's my right." You know that's all true, and I right. 100% agree with all of that. Absolutely, and uh, and I would give my life for the Second Amendment. You know, I, I would do that. Not something I, I want to do, but I, I would I would do it because I, I believe that it is the thing that's going to keep my children and my grandchildren safe and free. Yeah, and a person's not going to do that. Right. The Second Amendment is the only concept and idea that is going to do that. That can ensure that. So I will die for the Second Amendment, but at the same time, I can't go into a conversation with somebody who who has been indoctrinated their whole life. The other with the other story here, and just try to educate them and say those. They're not going to have a conversation with me. How do I get them to have a conversation with me? Right. So, so that that's a great question, and it really depends. And I know I've in the last call it year year plus, um, I've really been in, engulfed in this exact idea because for years and years, and even when I was in L.A., even though you can't get a really a permit to carry in L.A., however, since moving to Texas seven years ago. Um, Immediately getting my permit, I have been. And we a, just passed permitless carry. We just passed permitless carry, awesome. which is great. Yep, I'm absolutely pro constitutional. But carry. don't come to Texas. Yeah, exactly. Do not come to Texas if you're going to vote the other way. Um, but that said, with everything going on that we've seen in the past year, whether it's Antifa, whether it's you know the Black Lives Matter, whether it's the the fear from Corona, and even now uh, the last few weeks with everything happening in. Israel and then all the anti-Semitism spilling over into America. For the last year, I've had numerous people who, since moving to Texas, were like, oh, you're a gun nut, you're crazy, it's never going to happen, you don't know what you're talking about. Now all these people are like, oh, so um, 
can you help me get a gun? Yeah. And it's one of those things that, you know, I very much want to stick up both middle fingers and say, ha ha, yep. told you you're on your own. However, but we're the good guys. However, that is not the right way to do it. You 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 need to kind of suck up your ego, um, which obviously is not an easy thing to do uh, sometimes. You need to suck up the ego and say, hey, look, I get it. You finally had your eyes open to everything going on. Let's get you armed. Let's get you trained. The more people like you, the better it will be. So like you said, right, education is key. People will come to you. I will speak about it. I have I have Jews from everywhere. I mean, I have people in Chicago, L.A., New York, all these like hotbeds of anti-gun, uh, you know, lunacy there. And I have people coming up to me, messaging me on my Twitter account, on my Instagram account, Facebook, saying, hey, you know, you inspired us to get our first gun. We're still having trouble. Do you have any connections in New York? And, you know, I have, um, I don't know if you're like familiar with Tactical NYC, Brie Warner. So like, I, I'm like, hey, go talk to her. She can walk you through everything you need. And I have kind of people all over. Yeah, a little that, network. And a little network. And, and I'm using that network to help people who are now getting, you know, having their eyes opened to say, hey, look, let's just all, we can still be friends. You know, I'm not going to tell you to told you so. We went to dinner a couple months ago and I remember you you kept talking about, it's hard to get Jews to go out and train. It's yeah. hard to get them to realize they don't know anything. It's hard to do this. And I'm like, you keep using the word Jew in there, but you can replace <laughs> that with like 99% of gun owners out there yeah. that, that are at the the unconsciously incompetent stage. Like they don't know that they're bad. They have no idea what good is. Right. You know, they, they don't know what proficiency is. They don't know any of these things. You know, they haven't even began the curve in the, the Dunning Kruger. If you're a Dunning Kruger guy, the, uh, it's the whole thing is like, that's your thing. And that's what you work on. And I think now, you know, with what's happening, we've, we've always seen since I was a kid, when, when it, something happened to Israel, you know, when, when somebody's been attacked, you know, when we had uh, scuds flying there from Iraq and everything else, there's always a few people out there who are just, they hate you guys. Yeah. They hate you guys. And that's a, where that comes from. It's a different story. You know, whether somebody's religious or not might believe something different. You know, I uh, I think it comes from the the innermost evil thing on the planet, you know, or maybe not on the planet, depending on how you look at it. Um, but the, the Jewish people that have been incredibly resilient, um, and then right now, I'm seeing it more mainstream. Maybe it's just because of social media now, and I'm developing this in my mind. I'm not sure. But it just surprises me the amount of people who are openly supportive of actual terrorist organizations just so that they can be against the Jewish people. And we, we just came off the end of, of Black Lives Matter. Uh, we just came off the end of, um, of, of um, Stop Asian Hate. You know, and Asian Hate didn't last very long. Because right. all the videos came out of like who was actually attacking the the yeah. Asian people, and that wasn't really in line with what the narrative they were going for, so they didn't quite work out. So that one kind of died off a little bit. But I've been waiting for Stop Jewish Hate. Yeah, it's and not. Where, where's it's, that support? It's not going to happen. Well, it's not that, happen. What do you What do you think about that as a person who believes in self reliance and self defense and tries to spread that among your your people, your peers, all your friends? We're on our own. We've always been on our own. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not people out there who support Jews or support Israel, stuff like that. That's not what I'm saying. Unfortunately, Jews have been persecuted for 3,000 years. And if something happens to the Jewish people, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, it's just the Jews. It's just the Jews. That's why I'm, a, I'm very, very vocal about 
Jews getting guns, training with them, right? We have a concept in Judaism, and I'll say it in Hebrew and then translate it, Esav Soneus Yaakov. And what that really translates to is Esav, you know, uh, Jacob's brother will always hate Jacob. And it's something that's been with us for 2,000 years. Mm. And the idea behind that is non-Jews, and again, for all those snowflakes out there, that's not a blanket statement on every non-Jew. I have tons of friends who are not Jewish who will gladly fight, you know, shoulder to shoulder with me. But the idea is that, you know, non-Jews will hate Jews. It's, it's, yeah. It's that simple. So I'm very vocal about Jews getting guns, training with them, because in reality, you can post, you know, I stand against anti-Semitism as your little Facebook icon and, and you know, let's post a blue square in honor of Israel and show our solidarity right. with Israel. You're not doing a damn thing, not one thing. You're not doing anything to change it, okay? All you're doing is patting yourself on the back, looking, making sure that, hey, look, I'm doing something. No, it's just, yeah, it's a virtue it's, signal. It's, it's so exactly. popular it's right now. It's absolute virtue signal. It's signaling. a yellow ribbon on the back of your car in the early 2000s when Iraq and Afghanistan kicked off after 9-11. Right. You know, it's, it's all, it's, it's, we, we, there's so many people who just live their lives to, to virtue signal. Exactly. And they've, they've gotten so far, it's gotten so bad. And I, I blame cancer awareness for this, that they think, like, you're not a female, but you probably know, know how to do a self-inspection on breast to see, okay, that's not normal. That's a lump. I, right. can, like, I need to go see somebody. Like, I, who in America is not aware that breast cancer is a thing? Right. You know, like, do we need more awareness? You know, so we should be spending more money on the research people. Like, those are the people who should be getting our money, not the awareness. Like, we all know how to do this self-exam. Right. Like, I'm not even, I don't even have boobs, but like, I can I can figure <laughs> this out. Right? So, let's put the money where it needs to go. So, now we've got this thing where, like, oh, we're, they're raising awareness. I'm like, who doesn't know about I saw yeah. something else the other day about working with. Like, everybody knows about that thing, too. Whatever exactly. It was. Was. And uh, so, you know, it's time to do something, right? And 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 virtue signaling that uh, I am helping by changing my background to my photo in 2021 or 2020 or 19, whatever, when that became a thing that makes you feel like you're doing something, because these people have never accomplished anything. They've never taken a risk. They've never failed. Like, they, they're, they're, they'll spend their lives tearing down everybody else around them so that they feel a little bit better about themselves or look, or, or get to be more allowed or more liked in their tribe that they want to be a part of, their group that they want to be a part of. So every single part of their life isn't actually about fixing that thing that's wrong. It's like showing everybody that they care about that thing that's wrong. It's patting and, themselves on the back to make themselves feel, like feel good. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and 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 again, you know, that's why I say that with, the only way to curb. And again, you're not going to get rid of anti-Semitism. It's here forever, right? It's it's gonna it's gonna be way past. After I die, it'll be here for years and years. After my kids die, it'll always be here. However, the only way to curb it is if someone comes up to you on the street and your life is on the line, you pull out your gun. You pull out, if you don't have a gun, take out a knife. If you don't have a knife, take out mace. Don't care what it is. You need to learn to defend yourself, right? What do we say in the gun industry all the time? You are your own first responder, right? Cops are on average 11 minutes away across the country. The yeah. only thing that's going to stop anti-Semitism, or at least curb it, is you willing to fight back. And Jews have such a rich history of fierce warriors. It's time that Jews really embrace the David versus Goliath mentality over the you know sheep led to slaughter mentality. Yeah, I mean uh, the the fighting against insurmountable odds is is, is quite a Jewish tradition, right? But the the problem that I I think 
Actually, I'm probably not even remotely qualified to even say what I think the problem <laughs> is. I, I, you are much more. Like, why? Why do you think the um, that a lot of a lot of Jews like say we'll take the California people that are you know heavy in the the entertainment industry, you know, because they run the entertainment industry. Right. Um, in New York, the same way, you know, all that stuff. It's a uh, uh, such a powerhouse in the the industries that have the most influence on society, whether society knows that or not. But they still manage to to not spread or understand this truth that you're given right now about the self-reliance and, and everything else and also manage to not sway public opinion. So like, I, I find that very interesting, how much control they have and how much their hands are in everything, but still, this is still the case. Yeah, so um, I was just on the panel a couple of weeks ago, uh, why Jews vote Democrat, right? And, and that, I think that's what you're kind of asking, right? Yeah, yeah like, definitely part of it. Right, yeah. so, so with that, you, you kind of, you have to go back in history. You gotta, I mean, there's, there's a lot to it. However, um, let's, let's take pre-World War II. Pre-World War II, you have Jews in America who vote, you know, whatever is good for Jews, right? Meaning you might vote for a Republican governor, but your mayor is Democrat. So that was, right, they would vote every which way. That didn't make a difference. Then in the early 30s and throughout the, oh, actually throughout the 30s, you had FDR doing, you know, the New Deal, the second New Deal. And giving away social issues, you know, giving away free stuff and, and all these different programs, Social Security and, and unemployment, all, all of this kind of stuff. Fast forward, Holocaust finishes, you have a massive influx of Jewish refugees who now become, because they fast-tracked citizens, they now have become recipients of all this welfare. You're, you're fine, you, you come from Nazi Germany, Nazi Europe where you were treated as a second-class citizen for so long, now you come to America where, well, look, now we're citizens, and look, look what the government's giving us, this and that and this and that. So obviously, what do we do? We vote for them. And both of the main parties in the U.S. are totally guilty of this. Yeah. I think they're both garbage, but the uh, Democrats are absolutely amazing at pandering. No, uh, 100%. They, They wrote the book on it. You know, without you knowing they're pandering. And they're still doing it oh, to the state. Sure. Right. So so that that it that's basically a, a super short abridged version of why Jews vote Democrat, right? Because then even still and again, that's not a blanket statement. I I know lots of Jews who vote Republican and Libertarian, but not a blanket statement. But no, sure. And the, I, right, I, I, the question is why do Jews vote Democrat? And you know, a lot of them also they they a lot of Jews don't necessarily believe in the Bible, um, they don't believe that God gave Israel to the Jews, and there's no—they don't believe in the Torah. And because of that, there's no connection, right? So I forgot all the statistics. Um, there's a, a Pew did a, a whole poll, and then Gallup did a whole poll in like 13 and like 12 and 13, 2012 and 13, um, breaking it all down. And I apologize for not uh, remembering. There's a ton of stats, so I apologize for not remembering them. But uh, it, it goes on, and, and what it comes down to is when you have so few people believing that, let's say, the Torah is the blueprint for life, which Orthodox Judaism truly believes, well, then what religion are you, right? The religion is the religion of politics, and they tend to be more left-leaning in terms of what they tend to believe because they don't believe in abortion. They don't believe in 
or they, you know, are pro-abortion and yeah. stuff like that. So, I mean, again, this is just a, a, a kind of an abridged version of why Jews vote Democrat. However, there's a lot more to it. I, I like that attitude where they would vote for the best candidate. I wish we would get back to that as a whole. I mean, that's what I do. Like, I, I will vote for the Republican, the Democrat, the the Libertarian. Like, I want I want the best candidate that represents me the best. Uh, absolutely. I don't care what animal or color you have on your your logo or whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Man, that's that's interesting stuff. Though when I I grew when I grew up, um, you know, like I saw my Baptist church, you know, Christian Protestant. Um, the the pastor of my church is actually uh, my grandfather, and he uh, he was always really heavily heavy into um, uh, prophecy. Not that not that he was trying to prof he wasn't a prophet, you know, he or isn't he's still alive. Um, but studying that, studying, understanding it, and everything else, and uh, it was it was always super interesting the things that he would find and, and talk about. And uh, obviously, built into to Protestant Christianity is the Jewish people, you know, and uh, God's chosen people. Israelites and everything else, you know, moving. This is your land. So, you know, I, I can't say that that I don't understand why people don't question all that. That God gave you the land. Like, I mean, has anybody ever seen God hand anything to anybody? You know, like, like, like. So, I, I get that people are like not. They're like, oh wait, God, God gave it to them. Oh, never mind. That's cool. They can have it. You know, like, like that's not that's not reality. You know, people right. people aren't like that these days. Um, and you know that. Um, but what is? How did we get America? You know, like how did how did any country spread how, how did how did russia begin how did china begin uh and the different parts of it you know how did we t- they take over these different areas so it's like it's all we're, we're, we're taking land from somebody else we're, we're we're conquering we're moving we're moving it out we're we're breeding people out or, you know it's like these are things that happen so does that mean that because america there was there was some native americans sporadic across the the u.s that when we came in like we should totally leave and, and give it all back and let canada take over because we took this from somebody else, you know, and we should support Canada trying to take over the U.S. and kill everybody. Like, I, that, that doesn't make sense to me, you know, right. on, 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 like a, a right to live human rights level. You know, it's like uh, you guys have been whooping ass on your little piece of land <laughs> when everybody around you is trying to kill you for a long time. I also I respect strength, you know, and, and somebody who and endurance and, and a will, willingness to, to be uncomfortable and fight. Uh, so I've always, you know, from afar watching, I've always had a, just a huge respect of the level of tolerance and then it gets to a certain point and then it's like turning the violence as far to 11 as you possibly can. Um, and then when there was enough of violence applied, we can back out and try to be tolerant again. And I, that's what I've seen from this. There's no, don't there are people out there who probably listen to this podcast or on the other side of that. And I don't believe that the U S is innocent. I think we've made some terrible mistakes. We've done some horrible things. Uh, I think we've done some horrible things in my generation. I think Israel has done some horrible things in their generation, in my generation, and and in the past. Uh, none of us are perfect. None of us are innocent. None of us are anything. But that doesn't mean that that you don't have a right to exist out there and and live on your your piece of land. And how that comes back to the U.S. really blows my mind. And with the the threat on synagogues and everything else, and I and I know that there's there's usually a decent level of security in these places more so than there are in some some Christian and Protestant churches that I see out there. And and rightly so, but why do you think that is? Like, why do you think that um that the Jews are are targeted here in the U.S. for violence as as like you know lesser creatures for the same reason they think that it's okay for terrorist organizations to to kill more people as long as they're Jews? Like, I, this doesn't make sense to me. I mean, it's like I said earlier, right? That the idea of Asaph will always hate Jacob, right? 
it just what do you think this is a, a biblical thing do you think this is like uh <laughs> like the, the devil you know is no, this like I, look is it, it it's it's you guys smell funny <laughs> I have no, it could be depending on the de- de- depending on the deodorant we wear. Um, no, I, I think it really is just a fact. This is the way God wants it. Now, like I said earlier, right? Jews have notoriously become the sheep led to slaughter. Right? Six million Jews died in the Holocaust. What if, um, what if we go back in time and there was a lot of Jews back there, a lot of uh, Yehuda reavers, and you were you were teaching guns and I you mean, were arming people. It's it, before, prior to Nazi occupation. I mean, look, if you go back in history, right, to, to when Hitler took power in '33, you had the Nuremberg Laws, which prohibited Jews from carrying firearms and owning them. They were first registered, then they were confiscated. Yep. Then you had 19 November '38. You had Kristallnacht, where millions of dollars worth of damages ha- occurred to Jewish businesses. I think like 90 Jews were killed in a matter of two days. Thousands injured. Um, because they couldn't defend themselves. And then you had the Holocaust. When you tell and, those stories, I'm sorry to interrupt you on that yeah. one. Like, when you tell those stories to, to Jews that are on the fence or like anti-gun, does that not resonate with them? Like they could have not died or li- watched their family members raped and killed. We live in America. It'll never happen here. Yeah. That's, that's, they said that in Germany. Exactly. And that's why I'm very vocal, not just about the Second Amendment, in general, but Jews and guns. Oh, see, I don't no. think this is a Jewish thing either. No, I, I mean, I, right. Some people out here listening, you know, there's, I've got, I've got, I've got way far left people, far right people. I got a ton, like people that, you know, I usually don't get into politics too much on this show. It's not really something <laughs> I care about. Uh, I'm, I'm very much of a leave everyone alone, and the, those people should be inspired to be self reliant and not yep. depend on anybody else, especially not their government. Uh, that's kind of my political views. But the, uh, but with the replace the word Jew with with American citizen that doesn't go with the masking mandates that doesn't go with like they they have they're doing their best like Gina Carano got got fired for speaking the obvious it was the it truth. is so obvious i wrote an article on it that we're seeing the exact same not the same thing hopefully not the same in state but the exact same tactic used in the grand strategy absolutely we're seeing it's the exact same there is not even the slightest difference it's turning people against other people if it doesn't seek to separate right now, it is not going to make a headline. It's not going to be anywhere. It is how can we get the most people disorganized against each other and remove community and end self-reliance and increase government dependence and Look, get more votes. The Jews of Warsaw, right, the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, there were 300,000 Jews pre-Holocaust. I think there was two, 3,000 left by the end of the war. The Warsaw Ghetto Uprising was the first fully... Jewish armed resistance, a actual well-regulated militia, so to speak, yeah. in over 2,000 years since the time of the Maccabees. We, honestly, not just Jews, we, have, we as Americans absolutely need to start understanding that it will happen here. Not it can, it will happen here. We must stand shoulder to shoulder with people from different religions, different sexes, different ethnicities, if you truly believe in freedom, if we do not uh, get together as a group, then, you know, I'm just afraid of where this country's headed. Yep. Because if we cannot join each other in unity to defend and to defeat the liberal, gun-grabbing, freedom-hating right. politicians. We've and, seen it. Yeah, it, it's happening. Kent State, Ruby Ridge, yeah. Waco. Yeah, like, a- absolutely. It, we've seen it. Um, but I, but it's funny, you know. I spent many years 
uh, in the military. And there might be, I might have a roommate that's Jewish, and then my third roommate is Muslim. You know, like they, this, that, that actually, that situation never actually occurred to me, but same platoon, yes. But the, the mixing of, of cultures, religions, upbringings, backgrounds, uh, financial status, socio, social status, like everything else, it's, they're, they come from every single walk of life out there, from the incredibly wealthy to uh, never had anything. You know, they got their first pair of shoes when they got the, the new shoes in the, in the Marine Corps. Like it's, I, I've seen it all, and nobody cares. Yeah. You know, nobody misses any opportunity for a racist or religious joke, right? Because that's just the way it is. But you still love that person. But like right. but nobody cares, you know? Yeah. So it's like it's funny how how in these these small you, you have your tribe. Your 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 tribe of, of you know, you know, Jews and you know, I have my tribe of, of the, the people that I hang out with and uh you know, but then the same people in the military have have their own individual tribes. That when they go home, they go hang out. They 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 see themselves as part of that tribe. They may not even see themselves as part of that other tribe as well. But together, they're all Marines. Yeah, you know they're and and that's that's what in that moment none of the other tribes matter. Right. When you're with the Marines, right? So it's uh, doing what Marines are supposed to do. So it's like I I think it's I think it's the the surroundings, the atmosphere. You know, the atmosphere in the military is trauma bonding. You know, there's there's always something negative happen. Uh, you're getting you're getting some kind of high stress. Uh, there's something highly physically demanding. Uh, there's always a uh, for like a, a penis measuring contest every day. <laughs> you know, there, there's always something going on that creates stress and and kind of requires people to to pull together and support support each other. Yep. Uh, have you ever read the book by Sebastian Younger called Tribe? If not, you you got to get it. I think I got it. I think someone just told me about that book. A lot of it applies to to what we're talking about here. I I have not read it, but. It's like on the tip of my you know tongue because so I think someone anything just mentioned that he writes to me. is usually absolutely freaking awesome. But uh, he he goes into the mental health such issues with surrounding people in peacetime when everything's very comfortable and everything's great and how depression is on the rise and suicide is it's astronomical. Uh, and he uses some some examples from from wars where he went he was there reporting and and got some information and uh, talked to people. And the most, the happiest time with the least amount of suicides, the least depression, and the happiest times for these families was whenever shells were coming in, blowing up next door. And they were trying to figure out how, to, how do we feed ourselves and each other today? How do we pull together as a family in a small community and go get some food, get some oil to cook, get some, some rice to cook, fend off these people who want to come steal from us and maybe hurt, rape, or whatever? How do we protect each other? Like, this was the time of their life. It gives, it gives them purpose. Yes. Everybody everybody had a job. Everybody had a purpose, and they had somebody else relying on them. This is how we started back in the day. When we, like, you go hunt. You go gather. You do this. You raise kids. You prepare for war and defense for our people that are raising our kids. And, like, we all had jobs in these tribes because sticking by yourself, you don't last long. You don't. We don't make it. Like, the, the, the people who went out, the human, early humans who went out by themselves, like, they never came back. We didn't find them. They're gone. It's like you, you band together. Right. So in, in tribe, whenever they separated from the tribe and the peace came and everything was good, and people had jobs. They went back to work. They went and did their thing. Even they were easy jobs. You know, they went and got caught up in their own selves or whatever. Next thing you know, they're like, I don't have anything to do. Like their their depression is, is crazy high. It's like So it's a great book, very short, quick read, very interesting. Uh, anybody out there listening should, should totally pick up tribe. But it, it, it's, a lot of times it's just helped, it's helped me understand things about me from leaving the military and after combat and such. But I, I think a lot of it really applies to uh, to Jewish people. You know, the, the, the things that you went through and the way things are now and how they kind of transition mindsets in some cases, even though maybe it's not intuitive. It doesn't totally make sense based right. on your history. So it's, right. uh, I, I think it would be a, a very interesting read for you. Um, I'll definitely check it out. 
anybody out there, man, pick up pick up Tribe. And, and I think he just had a new book come out that I haven't read yet, but it, it looked really good. I'm going to check it out. Like I said earlier, we can replace the word Jew with, with anybody. But from your perspective, dealing with Jewish people and, I guess, non-Jewish people, or what do we, what do we call it? What's the term? Gentiles. What? Gentiles. That's okay. what I'm looking for. How did I not? I lost the uh, us Gentiles. Like, what what could we be doing better as a whole? Like, a Gun Mag as a company, or as um, another, you know, uh, the NRA, FPC, spokespeople out there, influencers out there. What could we be doing better? What do you see that maybe there's something that fails a lot that they think, but you see it a lot. Like I talked earlier about the the harsh come and take it, mow on all the lobbies and blah 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 and all that good stuff. Uh, but what what really works and what doesn't? I mean. It's kind of like when you're losing weight, right? What do they always say? Like, if you're not ready, you can't lose the weight. I can guilt trip you into losing 100 pounds all day. But if you're mentally not ready to lose weight, you got to want it. It's the same thing here. There are tons of people, tons of people all over the Second Amendment world who truly are pushing the two-way is for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. You have Tony Simon who mm-hmm. has, you know, in Jersey, the uh, 2A4E, right? 2 A's for everyone. I invited him to my class in uh, Ohio next week, but he has something going on. He couldn't make it. Yeah, so so you have people like Tony Simon. Then you have people like Chris Chang, Top Shot Season mm-hmm. 4 winner, right? Who is an openly gay Asian. Mm-hmm. You have women in the industry. You have Baptists, Christians. I mean, it doesn't make it—you have— Everyone from every walk of life. Yeah, it's covered. It, 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 there's no one that's not covered in the firearms industry, right? I mean, you want to talk about just transgender people. There, yeah. there are. I, I used to teach a, a class called Pink Pistols. Pink Pistols. Pink yep. Pistols has, has an organization. That yeah. Transgenders out to go shoot and carry guns, and I was like, "You guys are targets. You need to be carrying no, guns. Absolutely. Learn how to use them, right? If people are not ready, you can educate them as much as you want, but if they are not ready to make that commitment, then it's not going to happen. I, I know. When I when my first book came out four and a half years ago, and I had tons of people warn me like, "Oh, you got to be careful! It's just a bunch of redneck anti semites in the firearms industry." And I'm like, "Okay, I'll I'll keep my eye out, right?" And all of a sudden, I enter the industry, and not only is that the biggest load of crap I've oh, ever yeah. heard in my Could life, further from the truth. I, I had people reaching out to me. People I didn't even know. They're like, "Hey, man, it's so good to see an Orthodox Jew representing the Second Amendment." in a positive light, not one of these gun grabbers in Congress. If you are not ready to make the commitment, it's it's not going to happen. It's just not. I mean, we're talking about a firearm, right? They, they they are scary. I mean, there's no question about it. Like Now, yes, they get less scary the more education and the more training you get with it. However, it's not going to help someone if they're not ready to pull that trigger. And I'm not talking about in a self-defensive situation. Yeah. I'm talking about just getting to the range and eat. Hell, putting a twenty-two in their hand. So, so it's kind of like marketing, you know. It's um, that's the way I see it. Like, if they have a good positive touch from you, like you touch them a little bit with a little bit of information, a little bit of truth, not in your face about it, not all crazy about right. it, you know, but just like, hey, well, there's actually a different perspective, you know. And you you explain something gently, and then you have a nice day, you know, and uh, and maybe they bring up something else again, and somebody else gently hits them again, like, yeah, well, that's really not it. Like I. I just I see that I see people getting whittled away a little bit. I I've seen me and some the Charlie the camera guy uh, that that runs the, the camera over here for the podcast. He's not sitting here that I always, I sometimes bring up in the podcast that nobody knows what it looks like. He's the secret. Uh, we were talking about we're seeing a few people who are very very progressive far left starting to be like this isn't adding up right now. You know this isn't adding up and, I, and like I think that there's a change coming in this country. 
Yeah. Uh, I think the Generation Z, the Zoomers, my son, my 11-year-old, I think they're going to save us, man. Absolutely. I, I, they are so bright. We have got to reach them with information. And it if you can get them to pay attention, it doesn't even matter how you package that information. Right. If you can get them to pay attention. Right. But they are brilliant, man. Like, they are, they are so ahead of where we were as we were kids. Like, and I'm not just talking about just my son, but, like, all these kids that I run into, like, the way they think – the, the comedy that they, they enjoy at such a young age, the, the things that they, they say and do, like they are really anal- they're, they're taking things that we have been seeing our entire life and completely shifting a perspective. I'm like, I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. And it's, it's usually in the direction of liberty, individual liberty and freedom. You right. know? Even if they're not trying to write political at all or say something political at all, the essence of what they're doing is like common sense liberty, you know? And I, I, I think these Zoomers are going to save us, man. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of cornering the market with kids' books. It, we can work our butts off right now, um, but the ones who will actually make a difference will be in 20 years from now. You yeah. know, I, I have an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old. They're the ones that are going to be saving the country, not not us. We're, we're just kind of bandaging it right now. We might get to see a little bit. Yeah, uh, we're, yeah, we're the ones bandaging it right now. They're the ones that are going to be taking off the Band-Aids and doing the surgery. We're leaving a lot to them. There yeah. was a lot of mistakes made. Yeah. Know? And and I, I can't say this. I mean, I, maybe I could have went a different path and got more involved in some things, and I didn't for whatever reason. So I, I can't, I guess I got to take blame too. Yeah, you know? no, come on. Daniel Shaw for Congress 2024, right? Man, I thought about it. <laughs> I, I, just saying, just, I, just saying that you can still do something, right? I've thought about it <laughs> maybe maybe one day, right? I, I got to, I want to have time to write. Like, I want to have time to write some stuff. It's like the, that's the thing that I'm trying to always, every day in my life, trying to free up time to, to write without losing the entertainment that I want during the day and the family time and uh, work and everything else. Like it's, it's, it's hard. And like Pressfield, you know, we were talking about earlier, you're always going to find an excuse to not do that thing that create your art, you know? So oh, yeah, but, is. you know, I'm, I'm one of these people. Um, well, you write books in 20 minutes on your phone. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, so. That suck. In the, in yeah. The guy, or the, the guy, <laughs> no, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people that when you, if, if you have an idea for a book, in today's day and age with, you know, Amazon self-publishing and, and all so many other self-publishing companies out there, what are you waiting for? Yeah. You know, not to guilt trip anyone into it, but if you have an idea for a book, screw your traditional publisher and getting a literary agent. And, oh, yeah, no, I would do that. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm releasing my eighth book in four and a if half you have, years. If you have a, a reasonable social following yeah. and, and network, then you're going to you're likely to lose money going with a publisher. Right, exactly. So, I mean, again, don't get me wrong, having a publisher definitely can help. However, you have so you have so many options out there today that only two of six of my books, sorry, two out of eight of my books are actually with a publishing company. The other six, my n- number three through eight, all self-published. I'm making money off them and I'm being successful with them. And I tell people all the time, because I have people reaching out to me like, hey, you know, we have this idea for a book and we just, we don't know how to start. Like, write it. Like, well, we, we don't know how to start writing it. I'm like, write it. I'm like, don't care about grammar. Don't care about any of it. Just write it. Hell, my, 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 um, my editor, Jackie Billings, I don't know if you know who she is, but she's... Oh, I think we've met. Yeah. So I absolutely love this woman, Jackie. And I write children's books and my original drafts suck. She makes me sound so much smarter than I actually am. And, oh, we're, ta- really? and we're talking about kids' books, right? It's, it's, we're not talking about like a full-on 
350-page novel. So I tell people all the time, if you have an idea for a book, sit down. The, the hardest part is the first page. Oh, yeah. Literally. Any writing. Write the first page. Put I, I, I have um, V-Moda headphones, noise canceling. I put those on. I crank up some, like, instrumental music. And my wife knows when she walks into my room and she sees me with those on, She's like, all right, he's in the zone. I'm leaving him alone. The, like the muse is upon him. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Just, just do it. That, I, I know it's so easy to say that, but again, I'm coming from eight books in four and a half years. Just do it. The, the only person holding you back from doing it is yourself. No, for sure, absolutely. I got a couple little books out there. My 11 year old actually got a little book out. He wrote last year, a little children's book. Awesome. I'll put a link to those in the show notes, so you guys can all go support his college fund. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man, where, where can everybody find you and follow you if they want to keep tracking you and see what you're doing or help you out? Yeah, um, absolutely. So uh, I do have a Facebook page. I have two Facebook page. If you're looking to friend me, if you see the pay- Facebook page that you have to friend me, if I don't know you, please don't friend me. It has not, It's not anything against you. I just, it's a private one. It's for friends, close friends and family. Otherwise, I do have a public page. Uh, you can go follow me there, Twitter, at the Pew Pew Jew, Instagram at the Pew Pew Jew, or you can just go to my website, thepewpewjew.com, and I have books for sale, hoodies, mugs, T-shirts, stickers, patches, a little bit of everything. Sounds good. All right. You drove so far to come here. I'm just kidding. You're from <laughs> Dallas in the area. Um, but, you know, we don't know anybody around here hardly. So we, we got here and COVID happened, so we don't really know anybody. So uh, it's cool to have somebody local that's also in the farms industry yeah, in here in the studio and, uh, and then record his podcast. So really awesome, man. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. It's, it's, it's rare that I actually get to sit in the studio. Usually it's zoom or stream yard, my office, right. But I'm saying like <laughs> to get on, on a podcast, usually it's all remote. So, you know, anytime I actually get to sit in the studio, yeah, I was watching my wave so files and stuff. I was like, wait, I got somebody here to look at. Like there's somebody I could look at and talk to. Like, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. It's different. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Well, guys, go go follow him. Whether you're you're Jewish or not, you're gonna probably get some solid examples on how to talk about some things, how to do some things. You know, hopefully keep keep spreading that that uh, the good word. The Second Amendment. As we're in for a serious fight, if you don't know that, you know it's already happening and it's getting worse. And I, I don't. I think the Second Amendment is just a very very tiny piece of the fight that's beginning. So uh, I do think we're gonna win it because we got the right people, but. Uh, not without everybody's help out there. So uh, if there's anybody you can help as far as, um, you know, fighting the good fight, like the Farmers Policy Coalition, there's doing a lot of good things. Some good things happening out in California with the uh, California Rifle and Pistol Association. Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there that's happening that's not really on the front page of the news, and they're not going to pop up uh, on the, uh, the National Rifle Association social media feed because they don't have any hand in it. Uh, they got their own problems. No, that's um, not. That's not true. They take credit for it. Oh man! Don't, <laughs> I, I, I know. I know. That's, that, that's an I, entire I, I different podcast. The, yeah. There, there's there's so many great things with the NRA, but then there's so many things right now, and I, I've, I, I fear that that organization is done because of the people who are in charge, and they're going to go down with a sinking ship because it changes their quality of life if yeah. they don't. Uh, it's not about the people. It's not about the Second Amendment. Not about America. It's not about freedom or liberty. It's about wallets and bank accounts. People ask That's me, it. yeah, people ask me all the time. They're like, hey, where should we send our money? And I tell them, you have the Firearms Policy Coalition, you have the Second Amendment Foundation, 
and you have the gun owners of America, which GOA has really upped their game, especially in Texas here. Well, they needed to because they went a little while for not doing. Yeah, a lot. no, but yeah. GOA. I mean, the the I mean, constitutional carry yeah. was single handedly. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say single-handedly, but we'll, we'll, let's talk about eight fingers, right? Yeah. Um, they, they they had much to do with constitutional carry in Texas. Rachel Malone, who heads up GOA Texas, uh, is fantastic. You and know what's funny? The old guard, the same people that we're talking about, the same kind of people that are still letting the NRA go down right now, there was 72. 72 firearms trainers showed up to speak out against permitless carry yeah. in Texas. A lot of them left. Because when they found out their names were going to be part of public record, I have a, a seriously fundamental moral, ethical issue. There, there's nothing. I saw the same thing happen in Kansas when it was going through there. Nothing pisses me off more than a person who is on the internet telling you how awesome he is. Maybe he was in the military. Maybe he was in law enforcement. Maybe she was whatever. Telling you how amazing they are, how bad this other instructor is, talking all kind of crap like they do a lot at the local level. Yeah. Um, and then. Talking about like fighting and defending life, defending liberty, but then they roll over the second their bank account gets a little bit of compromise. Like, oh, I'm going to lose money in concealed carry class training, so yeah. I'm against this. How could you? How could anybody be a firearms trainer who's actually studied fight and violence and understands what is happening and who's actually hurting people with guns and who's saving lives with guns? How, there's no way you could. You could look at those things for any amount of time and think that permitless carry is a bad idea. It is not possible. Um, so I and, and and then you got you also have what I think we have um, is it 20, 20 other states right now twenty states that have permitless carry. We're, we're twenty one, and I believe we twenty one. I believe was it Louisiana that just passed it, but now it's going to their Democratic governor. Okay, so we might have 22 right now. We might have 22, but again, it's Democratic governor and the chances of... Yeah. But we'll see. But well, I, the historical data based on... Um, we're getting we're getting fairly close to half the United States. Yeah, you know, pretty much. Um, of having permanent scary, we're not seeing an increase in violent crime. Nope. We're seeing the same thing across the board. Like, it's not any different. There's not any anomalies, right? Like, it's, it's the same thing. So how these people can do that... I, I would if, if I I want these names published everywhere. I, I want all seventy two of them that went there and the ones that left. I want to know every single one of them. Well, I want to out every one of them. They they did they did come out with a list of them. Um, but the, then, the public record one has it. Right, but then um, uh, John Crump from uh, Amoland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Amoland was covered up really well. So John Crump does amazing work. I mean, he he is a a hardcore investigative journalist. Um, he actually talked to a few of those people and. A, if I remember, it was kind of like these people didn't really know how their name got on the list. It, it was very interesting, but yeah, it was interesting. But again, there are still numerous and many instructors out there who are putting their bank yeah. before you know uh, freedom. So what are you, you going to do if you're in a violent situation and you're willing to give up everything that you have pretended for the past twenty some of your how long have you been a trainer? Everything you've pretended to be that to value. Everything you you obviously don't value, right? You know your, your liberty and, and freedom and, and everything else. Like um, you obviously don't value it as much as dollar bills. I mean, are are you really going to act when your life is on the line? What are you What are you going to do? Yeah. Are, are you going to stand up if, if there is a, a Nazi type situation? Yeah. Or are you going to go turn in your neighbor? Right? Like they're going to turn in their neighbor, man. Absolutely. These are the same people, and I have no business teaching deadly force and the use of force, right? And and firearms. A zero use. They should not even be Uber drivers because they 
they're dangerous if they end up in any situation where high stress. I despise these people. I think I think they're horrible Americans, and uh, they need to go away. If you haven't put that yeah. Anyway. That was my rant right there. Thanks for coming to my I hate firearms instructors who care more about money than firearms instructing. Uh, TED Talk. Uh, guys, I'm Daniel, Gun Mag Warehouse. I hope you enjoyed this uh, podcast with Yehuda Reamer. Um, I really did. And go follow him. Check out everything. All the links to everything that we talked about, his books and all that good stuff will be in the, the blog post or show notes accompanying this. So you can find it all right there. And ask him any questions or whatever. He'd be happy to help you out. And uh, until next time, the Mag Life out.